Hello and welcome to the Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave where they're still riding high from all that cheese consumed at Epcot's Food and Wine Festival, the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall with the one and only Lori. Happy holidays. Hello. (laughs) Every other week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news happenings and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. But before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company as always, though. His opinions are fully his own. Well, hey there, guys. It's uh, It's been a while since we've last chatted. Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> yep, it's been a while. <laughs> the, uh, the holidays are a sneaky thing. Like, as much as I want to enjoy them and just kind of bask in all of the the... The kind of wonderfulness. It is like it for some reason it always sneaks up on me that it's the busiest time of the year. It's like I'm I'm never expecting it. I should, and I always tell myself I should be ready for this next year, but I never am. <laughs> well, to be fair, it feels like whenever like the holidays are approaching, it feels like from up until like ha- Halloween, it's kind of creeping. It, it takes a while, but once it hits around Halloween, things just kind of, it feels like everything speeds up and everything goes at warp speed after that point. And it's just like, and it, yeah, you're so busy that it's probably just cause we're super busy, but you know, it, it just seems like time just flies at this time of year. It, it is, uh, it's insane. And then, not only is there just stuff going on just uh, in all of our everyday lives uh, that we're trying to get done before the year wraps up, of course, the uh, the theme park news just keeps on rolling. I think, again, this is something that we always feel like, all right, you know what? We're kind of in December. Um, we're good. Like things are, we're just going to slightly kind of glide into the sunset of the year and, you know, we're going to wait until next year for for more news to start rolling in. But, of course, that's not the case. <laughs> not only that, but, like, we have, we're still recapping our trip to Florida, which feels like forever ago at this point. Like, I'm still in the midst of uh, of just complete withdrawals from Disney World and Universal and hanging out with you guys. That was, that was, I'm still uh, missing kind of hanging out and seeing you guys every single day. And just kind of exploring these, these uh, everything that the uh, the Disney World Resort and Universal Resort, all of uh, things that they have to offer, experiencing all of that for the first time with you guys as well. Uh, man, that was that was such a good time. Hopefully, hopefully we can uh, we can get back at the uh, even if it's just Disneyland, which I don't want to say that lightly, <laughs> but uh, hopefully we can get back <laughs> somewhere sometime soon of course yeah i mean once once you finish one trip it start it's time to start looking forward to your next trip uh i know uh lori will always like make fun of me for for doing this but i like to think ahead there we go yeah never a bad thing uh so yeah but you know we we we've got some house cleaning to do. We've got some catch up to do before we can start looking ahead. But like I said, a a lot of exciting news was dropped since the last time we talked. So at Disneyland in particular, which uh, again, our home park, we kind of uh, hinted at this 
last time, in the last episode, last month. But uh, Magic Band Plus coming to Disneyland at some point in 2022 confirmed something that we never would have imagined coming at this point. It's been at Disney World. It's been a staple of Disney World trip going for so long. I think uh, we had all just expected, like, listen, the functionality is on the phone. You know, there's Apple Watches and smartwatches now that have that functionality built into it. It's just never coming to Disneyland. 100% incorrect. It is coming to Disneyland at some point next year. Uh, and as as with most of these new announcements, we don't know a ton of the details yet, other than we know that it's not going to have one-to-one functionality as you know what we get at Disney World. So it's going to be its own kind of a thing. But Disney World Magic Bands will work at Disneyland. What's your hot take on that, Henry? I know that that Magic Bands in particular is something you're very passionate about. So what what do you feel? It's right kind now? of a weird thing that has taken them so long to bring it over. I mean, it felt it always felt to me as like a no brainer. It's like, hey, you can make more money if you bring this over to Disneyland. Um, but I imagine, I guess their thoughts on it may have been that since uh, Disneyland is a locals park that people would just basically buy one magic band and that would be it. They would wind up not selling a lot of them, but I think they underestimate collectors. Right. <laughs> so I, I think, I think you would probably still have a lot of these like uh locals still buying multiple magic bands, particularly if they're like making these like limited magic bands and whatnot. Um, think there's still money to be made here if they brought it over and I, I imagine that they finally came to that conclusion themselves it's just it just seems like <laughs> yeah they should have brought this over a longer a long time ago uh, just it's perplexing that they didn't what do you think Lori? what's the most that you would spend on a magic band plus <laughs> um i'd say if it was something that I really liked, probably $60 would be something I would be fine with. Cause well, the last one I did was maybe like 45, I think was it. There you go. But I think if it was just amazing, I had to have it 60 bucks and be like, you know, I'm, I'm spending 60 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's right. It's that collector aspect, like Henry was saying. And for sure it's like with, uh, with, uh, you know, the, 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 Bob Chapik is CEO right now who, you know, uh, for better or worse, has has seemingly been taking a route of finding as many kind of opportunities to recoup these last couple of years, which makes sense, but but really kind of find avenues of additional uh, of additional revenue through the theme park goers. I mean, yeah, this makes total sense, right? It's a it's a it's a cost. Uh, boost for sure. And yeah, even if, even if uh, the locals purchase it only once, you know, it's still, it's still a pretty penny that you're going to get, especially like, let's say, I don't know, again, at peak, the old annual pass was a million people. It's like maybe half of that right now, 500,000, let's say half of that by magic bands. It'll probably even be more than that. You still have 250,000 people possibly purchasing 
magic bands that uh, that can be that can be pretty sweet. And especially right if they're if they're coming out with limited editions and other things, you could see how that could quickly skyrocket. So yeah, that'll be interesting, man. I'm very curious to see the functionality that they're going to have within that. What's so plus about this magic band? Uh, and uh, and yeah, like what 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 am I going to get for the cost that I'm going to inevitably pay for it? Um, that'll be really interesting, especially since, you know, it makes a lot of sense at Disney World where you're using it to get in and out of your hotel or using it to check into the Magical Express, which I'll get to in a second, uh, you know, possibly make purchases, possibly use your photo pass. Like, uh, not all of that is going to be applicable for your average person going to Disneyland. So we will see. Eagerly anticipating any more info. Right I'm also now. kind of... I am surprised, though, that they haven't used it before because I think one of the things that psychologically a lot of people don't think about, but but the, the usually the analysts know about this, but like having like payment methods attached to something like a magic band probably gets people to spend more than they would if they were having to right. pull out their card or pull out some cash or something. So they were kind of always hurting themselves all this time. They could have made more money off of people in swoops, Bob Chapek to, uh, to, to pick up all that money that's been left on the floor for so <laughs> many years. Also stuff though, that's been announced for Disneyland that we're eagerly anticipating in many cases, eagerly anticipating the return of world of color coming back. Phantasmic coming back main street electrical parade. That's coming back. Uh, and uh, Disneyland Forever, that that kind of classic 60th anniversary fireworks spectacular that they had uh, that they had running for a while there, all of those are returning spring 2022. So that's something to to definitely look forward to, especially with uh, Main Street Electrical Parade. That's another nighttime parade that's going on at Disneyland. Of course, you know it, it is the classic, the OG that seems to get dusted off every so often in spring, kind of a slower time usually. I mean, I guess it depends on what side of spring they're, they're going to start uh, all of this up. But, you know, it's it's a good time to start all that going, going into the summer when I'm assuming things are going to pick up. So a lot to get excited about there. We also uh, have during that springtime, we have Tale of the Lion King moving into the Fantasyland Theater, which... Mickey and the Magical Map was was kind of taking up residence for a while. That's been canceled. Uh, they're moving over Tales from the Lion King, which used to be at DCA. They kind of sporadically played that since uh, I think it started in like 2019. Um, so that's gonna that's gonna move in. And um, and I haven't personally seen it. I've heard it's okay. <laughs> it's definitely not as spectacular or amazing. As uh, as what's on display in the, the the Lion King show at Animal Kingdom, but uh, but so it's a little smaller scope, but it uh, you know it's good times for sure, and it, it's such a huge space at the Fantasyland Theater. It seems like you always have to have something running in that that if nothing if for no other reason can just suck people in and get them off of the uh, the uh, out of that Fantasyland area, right? Yeah, I mean that's a huge area, uh, just so yeah. big, so. Yeah, use it or turn it into part of the park. I mean, I mean, 
Yeah. Into, Hopefully they're going to do that at some point, but <laughs> yeah, it's fantasy land theater has never really been effectively used. I think you could maybe make the argument. Uh, it hasn't been really well utilized since uh Videopolis in the eighties and the nineties, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's a, that's another time. It's another time and another Disney. Um, and then finally at Disneyland, though, we have Genie and Genie Plus, which has officially debuted, came out on December 8th, of course, as uh, everyone would expect. It had a pretty rough uh, first day or two with a lot of people saying, you know, they had uh, they had uh, purchased Disney, uh, sorry, they had purchased Genie Plus and weren't able to make reservations or Lightning Lane purchases were disappearing or uh, just various different problems that were Happening. Also, I'm still seeing a lot of people confused with how Lightning Lane individual Lightning Lane purchases work for um, for park hopping, which is like a super weird thing. Is like, well, you know, when am I going to be able to book my light individual Lightning Lane um, kind of you know entry time for if I'm not able to get into the park until one uh, one p.m. I don't know. And then it's also, you know, once they're gone, they're gone. So people, a lot of people are saying like for Rise of the Resistance, uh, which is an expensive one, it's getting up there from like 15 to $20 at some points, um, that that's disappearing by like 10 or 11 a.m., um, that all of those, you know, pay for play options are, are gone. So definitely a lot of growing pains going on there, but it'll be interesting to see how much that's going to change that general crowd flow with all of those rides and those queues, which, you know, were feeling a little bit long, but I think everything I was hearing from people, it generally was pretty smooth. There weren't any crazy, crazy long queues. And, uh, and of course, you know, with, with fast pass and now lightning lane has the potential to really kind of muck up those queue lanes. So we're going to, we're going to see how it's going. I don't know, man. We're, and, and we're going to talk about genie plus in a little bit too, because we, uh, we experimented with it as well, right? Yep. A little bit. A <laughs> little bit. We dabbled. <laughs> we dabbled. Um, so that's what's going on at Disneyland, or at least the high-level stuff that has been announced and, and getting you up to speed with everything that was talked about for Disneyland. Disney World, obviously, still in the middle of the 50th anniversary. Uh, not as much splashy stuff. I guess it depends on on kind of where your priorities are. Parking trams are back, at least at the Magic Kingdom, and they're going to be rolling out slowly over 2022 in, in, at the other parks and areas. That's big if you drive to the parks. I know a lot of people that, uh, that are commuting to Disneyland by car and parking uh, would love not to make that mile-long trek <laughs> that you have to make basically from the Esplanade to, uh, to the parking garages. So uh, we know that they're coming uh, we know that they're coming in 2022. I think I've heard spring, so that's happening as well. But uh, but yeah, we're starting to slowly see, see those trams coming back, which is which is always a good thing. Uh, also, back we've got the Disney's All Star Sports Resort, uh, which is their you know one of their budget resorts, one of their four budget resorts, I guess, with uh, movies and music. And uh, Pop Century as well. And uh, and that is the final of the resort hotels that have been kind of being held off from opening since reopening from, from COVID. So that means that all of their 
resort spaces are now open at least. And we also got, uh, not official word, but there is, there is a strong belief that Typhoon Lagoon, which is their, uh, their second water park there is going to reopen sometime in early 2022. So, uh, so yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's upcoming as well. So that means Disney world for the most part is going to be completely open for business. Um, which, Hey, that's a big deal. I mean, that's, that's good times, man, especially, um, what will not be open for business though, as we've known about, but still a sad thing. Magical express is ending at the end of this year. So it's, uh, it's got a couple of weeks left, a week and a half left, something like that. It's on its last legs, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have to bid a fond farewell as it gets put out to pasture. We know that there already is uh Mir's transportation, which is the, uh, the group that runs magical express for Disney there. They've already said they're going to have uh, a, a pay service. That's going to take over it. Obviously, it's not going to be a Disney thing, but it'll still get you from the airport to the parks and, uh, and you know, the park hotels, park hotels back to the airport. We also have word now that a uh, another service is going to start up, and it's a little bit of a themed service. This is uh, this is an interesting one. It looks like they're going for for a, uh, a kind of a steam engine theme for the most part. So. Um, so this is going to be done by a group called Transportation Management Service, and they're going to start February 1st for their stuff. Standard price is going to be $16 for one-way, $32 round trip for an adult, and then $13.50 one-way, $27 round trip per child. That's ages three to nine. I was also reading in the FAQs that they had listed that they are in the early stages of developing or or getting going a luggage transfer service, much like Magical Express used to have, where you could tag your check-in luggage uh, as you check it into the airport, and they'll pick it up at the airport when you arrive, and they'll drop it off. Somebody, or, you know, they'll drop it off at the front of your hotel, and your hotel will bring it into your rooms, which would have been amazing. I, that was a That was kind of a service uh i'm sorry we missed out on but um but yeah so uh, some others are stepping up to the plate obviously we're we're paying out of pocket for it it's no longer going to be a customary service which is which is too bad i i uh i was a big fan of the whole magical express experience i mean uh, you guys were as well i i I believe if i remember correctly right yeah i mean it was it was an interesting experience because you it was not what I expected, but I guess I should have expected mm. it. That it was it was super popular <laughs> since we also came. I, I think we arrived when we arrived at airports. Like we got there kind of more later in the afternoon, and you got there super early in the morning. So when we got to the Magical Express line, that line was ridiculously long. I mean, it was just it like was down, like. It was it was super deep, but it moved really fast though. Once like when you get in it, you you're just like it's very uh intimidating seeing how long the line is. But it gets you kind of in the mood for being in lines for the rest of your trip. <laughs> but 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 it actually moved really fast 
once you got into it. But uh, yeah, it was, I mean, the whole experience was like having like your your magic band made it. You, you know, all that having uh, being set up beforehand made getting on the magical express like super a lot easier and quicker. Like because you just scan your magic band and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, like take this line and you get in that line and you, you're in another line and you take that debt and you get on the bus and it was actually pretty quick getting to the, I was expecting it to be a lot longer to get to our hotel, but it was pretty quick. I, mean, uh, I actually kind of, I felt bad for the, the bus driver trying to lug all, put all those bags in and sorting those <laughs> out. Cause I, I think we had, uh, we had a lot of bags on our car, on our bus. Unlike yours, I think you were on a much smaller bus than ours but <laughs> <laughs> yeah my experience was definitely the inverse of you of, of yours your experiences because uh yeah i got there at like 7 a.m and there was nobody it was crickets and so i immediately I was able to walk right up to the front scan my magic band uh they told me what line to get in it felt rather arbitrary because there was a nobody else there <laughs> and uh and so i waited and waited and waited and then a few more people had shown up and um and you know you're looking out the window and you see the magical expresses and it's like all right cool like this looks this is awesome it, it just is like a very sleek looking design that they have very attractive looking buses and uh, and they go all right guys like you know your line time to come up and we walk right past the buses into really, it's kind of like an, a generic unmarked van. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay. Like this is not, again, not what, much like what you were saying, Henry, not what I was expecting. <laughs> uh, this is the Disneyland, man, or the Disney world fan, right? This isn't the, uh, <laughs> the van that's going to take us to, uh, you know, down by the, the, the swamp and, and, uh, drop us off. <laughs> Middle of nowhere. Could roll you in um, the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but yeah, right, exactly. And so, uh, and so, yeah. So it was because it was, I guess, early. I think they're winding that service down, and so, um, and so uh, there weren't quite as many buses, and so they were kind of mixing, mixing and matching depending on you know group size and whatnot. And uh, and so that was the initial experience. Was that it was only there was maybe like five or six people, not including myself hmm. in the, uh, in the van. It was, it was a little tight. And, uh, and then the other kind of bummer is that we weren't able to do the normal magical express route that, uh, that you guys were able to take. That is a much faster route. Supposedly, I guess, um, the driver was saying that those larger buses have their own specific route that they can take that avoids like most of the highway and, uh, and, um, at least the busier areas of the, of Orlando. And, uh, so we didn't get to take that. <laughs> and so it was just like a normal kind of nothing special. It was as if we ordered like, you know, the, uh, the generic version of a super shuttle. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was fine. It did the job. Let me put it that way. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a little less magical, a little less special. Really the bonus there was, as you said, I could scan my, um, I could scan my magic band and that it got me to where I needed to go. So that was kind of a bummer, but what you going to do? Yeah. What you going to do? And it was free. So it's like, mm, yeah, exactly. That's right, the most yeah. important hey. thing. <laughs> well, I, 
I did. So it, the other thing, I uh, there was a sign explicitly saying, again, I have a feeling this is because this was like a generic thing. There was a sign saying um, gratuities appreciated, but not, you know, uh, required. And so I was very guilted into, into basically tipping this guy, tipping him well, too. So again, like, yeah, listen, it uh, would have been less, still, still much less than if I had paid out of pocket to go there for any of these additional services. I wouldn't say it was free though. And you know, I'm not packing too heavily. I just had one suitcase that he kind of popped in and popped out. But, uh, but yeah, I gave him a little gratuity in, in the, like a much larger setting where there's like a lot of people. Yeah. I don't feel quite as, as like I need to, to do that for better or worse. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a judgment on myself, but, uh, but yeah, like I said, it was, it, I did have, I, I did feel obligated to tip this guy. Mm. I, so. I did not see that sign. <laughs> well, this is what I'm saying. I'm I'm assuming that it was it was like the kind of thing that you would expect in in that kind of generic van, but like I would never expect to see in a in a Disney van or you know a Disney bus at all. So yeah, it was. Like I said it, it was part of the ambiance for sure. It was very fitting. Yeah, I'm really wondering what this uh, this this you know train themed one is gonna be like because they supposedly are trying to make it sound like it's gonna be uh, a nice experience to begin with but i'm kind of surprised i mean at least pleasantly surprised that it's going to be comparable to the to the mirrors uh pricing i think it winds up being about the same pricing like i, I think i'm looking at it, it was like it was a little bit more for adults but it was a little bit less for for children so it kind no. of balanced out it was not a significant amount difference between the two that you know it would make it a difficult decision like either one would be okay to take i think at that point so at least people are gonna yeah. have uh two choices you know yeah for sure if you don't feel like uh renting a car you don't want to spend a little more even a little extra even on like Uber or something like that, uh, which wouldn't make sense if you have this big bus service that's consistent and well run. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's it, it, it. The cost is definitely worth it, but you know, it's, it, it, I imagine it's still going to sting quite a few people a little bit, given that it was a free service before. And now depending on how many family members you have, it could, you know, not be the cheapest thing in the world. It's, it's, you know, Yeah. It's gonna. It's a little extra. A little extra. Anyway, uh, so yeah. So we then got to our with the, with the help of the magical express or the magical generic van. Uh, yeah, we all got to our places that we needed to get to, and uh, and this is a pretty good segue into kind of recapping where we were with our Orlando trip. So last time we talked a little bit about. Uh, our experience at Hollywood Studios, talked about our experience at Animal Kingdom, talked a little bit about our experience with the uh, the uh, Skyliner and how great that was. We've already talked about our experience with uh, Boo Bash, which, uh, which is a pretty good transition into our time at the Magic Kingdom because we did Boo Bash the night before our full day at the Magic Kingdom. So that gave us a little bit of uh, of a head start, it gave it gave us really an opportunity to kind of get a lay of the land, 
knock out a couple of those rides that maybe weren't super high on the list, but were going to be higher wait times like Space Mountain, for instance. Um, and just kind of experience the park, obviously, in a much different setting. But it made it so that we weren't going in totally blind. Um, so that was kind of a nice experience going in. Also, as we kind of pointed out, Genie Plus was uh, was something that we experimented with while we were at the Magic Kingdom. Um, so that's just kind of like, a, that set in the table here. What were your initial thoughts, Lori, um, after, like right after being at the park? So when we were on the bus, on the way back to the hotel, what was kind of going through your head? What were you... What were you feeling about Magic Kingdom? Uh, Magic Kingdom, well, even there is just like the, oh my gosh, after um, like the two days, I still felt like I didn't get to like see or do everything that I wanted to do and like how much larger it is than the Disneyland park and just like how spread out it was. But I definitely feel like I definitely, I would have needed like another day to fully be able to see and do everything I wanted to do. Check out any, you know, extra shows, any like parades or it could be the cavalcades then that we wanted to do. But I definitely felt like, man, that time just went by so quick. After like, I think all the buildup and everything through the year, I felt a little bit like while I felt the cues were better. A lot of times when we were dealing with a similar ride that was at Disneyland, I, I felt like the rides were actually better at Disneyland. And it felt like the layout was actually better at Disneyland too of the park. Mm. Just because the, because yes, the park is huge, but it feels like, like if you go to like one end of the park and maybe you have to get to a reservation for dinner at the other end of the park like at Disneyland it's everything's kind of like in a circle so you can just kind of keep going straight and you'll eventually like come to a exit out of that area out of that land and then you can kind of work your way back around whereas in uh, Magic Kingdom, you have to know you have to turn around and kind of back up and and then go the back the other way. It just doesn't have as good of a layout, uh, I feel, as Disneyland. And while, like I said, like the queues are better, but the rides are actually uh, better. I think a lot of the times there's a few that were better at uh, Magic Kingdom. But like some of the definitely some of the the classics like Space Mountain, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, It's a Small World, uh, were all like definitely much better at uh, at Disneyland than they were at Magic Kingdom. The three that you mentioned right there, hundred uh, percent agree. Those were for sure the ones that stood out for me that felt like they were the inferior versions. Um, and I agree, I agree with both of you. Like, I definitely feel like even though we were able to accomplish most of what we wanted to do, we definitely had to hustle throughout the entire day. And I mean, you're right, Lori, like it was like, we didn't have a lot of time to, 
enjoy cavalcades or there's something like really specific we were looking for or just kind of wanted to take it easy and and uh and maybe like spend some time you know finding some of the more kind of hidden areas or or just kind of in bask in the uh in the uh in in a specific land like there, we didn't have a lot of time to be doing that um which was which was which was kind of a bummer something if 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 and when i go back definitely something i want to be doing a little bit more of is just a relaxed sort of jaunt through the park but uh but yeah the the layout for sure stood out for me as well henry like it, you know the thing that was what kind of was rolling through my mind um as we were leaving the park was like man yeah it felt bigger it felt like just like a wider park, <laughs> you know, like it's not the most descriptive word, but I feel like it's very fitting. Like everything just felt like it was wider. The walking paths were wider. The queues were wider. Like, you know, yeah, the park itself was just wider. Um, and there was just a little bit less to do. And, and, uh, and yeah, a big part of that is that, you know, Disneyland, obviously, is so compact. It is one of the smallest of the Disney parks. And so because of that, though, they've done such a great job of really utilizing the space that they have available, not just to make the park feel like it's bigger than it is, but to really just kind of like jam in so many things to do. Like it really feels like when you're at Disneyland, you walk off one ride and you're like, right next to the queue of another. Like you're never walking too far before there is like something to do or something going on or something of interest. Yes. That was definitely not the case of the Magic Kingdom, right? Like it was, you were doing a lot of walking, like you were saying, to get from point A to point B. And it was like, it, it, it maybe that was part of the reason that it was just like a little hard to get into the mode of like, yeah, I really want to explore this place because it was just like, ooh, man, it's, it's, you just really, it's a lot of, it's a lot of ground that you're covering, right? Yeah. I mean, it was also weird. One of the things that also kind of weirded me out, which is kind of a, a weird thing to also say, just was there's, there's like places I found like, you know, there was like areas where there was nothing. Like it was just like, hey, they have like mm. some like, astroturf and i think you can sit there and have like like a picnic or something there uh but there was like there's <laughs> yeah. nothing else there I, I was actually kind of a little bit like confused at it because it, it seemed like yes you could have like a it was like a place that had astroturf and i think i'd heard people would have picnics there but at the same time there was no like shade there so it was like, yeah, it. You can have a picnic there, but how many people want to sit out in that sun and have a picnic in the middle of, yeah. on, like, especially astroturf, which, re, uh, like, retains the heat. So it was like, like, it doesn't feel like they're utilizing a lot of that space correctly. Uh, mm. well, uh, so I, I, I think I kept going into it with like a thinking of Disneyland saying, wow, look at all this wasted space. <laughs> what, what we could do with all this space at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, But yeah, the yeah. walkways were definitely a lot bigger and it was a lot easier to kind of get around uh, for sure. 
Um, but yeah, I, I felt like that space that they had was actually wasted. So one, one place that I thought it worked really well was that initial walk down main street. Mm. Uh, obviously it's a much wider again, main street than what Disneyland has. Uh, and that view down to the castle was incredible. Like it really was incredible to walk down that main street and see that just huge shining castle all done up for the 50th anniversary. Uh, I thought that was pretty incredible. That's always something, uh, I like Disneyland's castle. Um, it's, it's, you know, very petite (laughs) compared to any of the other castles. Something I've always been very jealous of, uh, of Disney world is that like, yeah, that that's a castle right there. Like, oh, man, that was, that was like, uh, like I said, very, very completely spot on lived up to expectations of just like, Whoa, there it is. That's it. Nailed it. Yeah. Well, Lori has a <laughs> amazing picture. She took of it. It's now her background on her, on her wallpaper on her phone. So you can <laughs> always, I, I'm constantly reminded of how good it looked. Um, so yes, yeah. I agree. And I know Lori agrees. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that castle was amazing, especially at night and even doing the walkthrough and they have the, like the story mosaic of the Cinderella yeah. was amazing. So cool. So, so cool. Um, yeah, one of those defining characteristics of uh, of that park. I know that I think Tokyo Disneyland is like almost an exact replica of their castle as well, but still, it, it, their main street is is also very different. So you don't get quite a, kind of that 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 big pop that you get at uh, at Disney World. So uh, one of the best uh, uh, kind of introductory experiences I've had at a Disney park for sure. Um. But, uh, but yeah, the, the other thing that I thought really worked, and this goes without saying, I know that this is an obvious one, but they have a functional Tomorrowland. And it's not great. It's not like a great land by any means, but it is a land which, uh, which Disneyland can like barely claim. It's, it's Tomorrowland in name only. Uh, even though, you know, there was like a weird retro kind of funkiness to Disney World's Tomorrowland. It was like, okay, there's, there's stuff to do here. There's a theme. There's, uh, you know, it, uh, they, that, that at the Starlight Diner, the, uh, they had the Cosmic Ray man playing that piano. That was like such a fun, like funky experience. They have all those, uh, those old rides that Disneyland, uh, for whatever reason has, uh, uh, you know, has gotten rid of and, and we'll probably never see again, but like people mover, they have a people mover there. Yeah, man. Carousel of progress. Yeah. I want that. Like that's, that's good times. And obviously not Tomorrowland, but they also still have country bear jamboree. There, there were a lot of those kinds of experiences I thought was, uh, was really fun and, and made me miss having those experiences at Disneyland because uh, you know, it's, it was like such a, such a huge part of nostalgia when I used to go to the parks. And so it was awesome getting to check all of that out at, uh, at Disney world where 
all of it still alive and kicking, at least for now. Yeah, I think uh, it definitely seeing the people mover, which was always one of my favorites, brought back uh, a sense of nostalgia. But it also made me kind of sad because it definitely was not as good as, you know, our people people mover was back in the heyday because i think uh was not as good for yeah, sure um and then uh and i did enjoy seeing the country bear jamboree but it did kind of weird me out a bit because the eyes were were very very creepy <laughs> <laughs> creepy but it yeah. was still like awesome and then you know you you notice a lot of stuff when you become an adult that you didn't notice when you were a kid and you're like hmm ah those that's i mean i enjoyed it still but it, it, it was pretty weird at the same time and you're like thinking okay um it was also it felt uh weird not seeing having a uh new orleans area uh i definitely yeah. missed not having that because i think new new orleans is i think my favorite area in uh, disneyland um mm. i did also feel like um I didn't like where the um, Tomorrowland Speedway, it was just, it was too close. There was just way too many like fumes coming off of those cars, man, that those fumes were obnoxious. Oh man. They were just getting to me. No. And there was no off-roading section, which I'm not the biggest fan of Autopia, but Come on, man. Off-road section is where it's at on that ride. That is like, oof. yeah. So uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a happy boy when uh, when I hit that spot of the ride. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like it was more like what was throwing me off was just the fumes coming off of those cars were just right in your face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think with uh, with Autotopia, it's off enough in its own corner that those fumes aren't really as as uh obtrusive as they are in uh disney world so that that yeah, was a bit for cool. sure totally <laughs> totally uh i will say too so uh i kind of was i felt like splash was was it was different in a good way but I w- it was it was hard for me to make a call in terms of which one was better they were both pretty even. I did like, uh, I liked the version of Big Thunder at Disney World. I want to say I liked it more than I liked the Disneyland version. There were there were a few more scenes. I thought that the, you know, you were talking about how great the cues were uh, throughout all of Disney World, which 100% true. I thought that the cues, the cue in Big Thunder did an awesome job of, storytelling and scene setting. There were just like so many little um, kind of like pamphlets up and kind of props around to tell the story of this, like, you know, mine that, uh, that is being dug into and just, uh, and the miners and the, and the railway conductors that work there um, that I, I wish that there was more of that kind of stuff going on at Disneyland. Obviously it's a much smaller queue, um, but, uh, but I, I thought it did such a fun job of, of kind of setting the scene on that ride. Um, and I was, 
I was, I was going back and forth. I still am going back and forth on Haunted Mansion because obviously stretching room better at Disneyland. Obviously the fact that you kind of walk through that, um, that hallway with the portraits, uh, I like that significantly better than you kind of see a, a truncated version of that on the ride itself. Much prefer taking the stretching room elevator down and then taking your walk to the doom buggies. I like all of that better at Disneyland. Um, is that part of the ride? If we're saying that that is definitely part of the ride, then I probably would lean that Disneyland is better. But I do like Disney World had that awesome scene where there was that crazy room on the ceiling with all of the footprints. Yeah. The MC Escher stairs. I wanted to everywhere. Yeah. 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 The Escher, Escher scene. Yeah. I, uh, I wanted that. I want that at Disneyland. I'm never going to get that, but I thought that was so awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I, I must've seen that when I was at Disneyland or when I was at Tokyo Disneyland, cause I'm pretty sure it's a one-to-one, uh, copy but i don't remember it so it was a nice kind of surprise to be like oh whoa yeah i'm not expecting this at all um so if we're just talking about like doom buggies on i liked that aspect of disney world maybe slightly more if we're just talking about if we're talking about everything i probably would go disneyland i would say that if you are talking about uh just plain like a haunted mansion uh experience Given yes, I enjoy the the walk up to the dune dune buggies uh, to be better at Disneyland. But overall, I would say the experience and haunted mansion of a of a a just haunted mansion is it, it's better at I liked it better at Disney World because also the lighting was better, uh, so it wasn't mm, as hard yes. to see things. Yeah. They actually had the proper lighting. Yeah. Uh, plus, also yeah. those the uh, the wallpaper with the eyes and stuff that that was pretty cool too. Uh, but yeah, because Disneyland has the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay, which oh. I think actually fixes a lot of the problems that the regular Haunted Mansion has. I actually like because and I also love the the nightmare before Christmas overlay. So uh, because of that, I actually love the haunted mansion in Disneyland better. But like I said, if I were to not, if I didn't have the overlay, then it would be the uh, Disney world version. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I buy that for sure. Definitely the, uh, yeah, the haunted holidays, always good times for sure. Yeah. Nice, uh, nice little change up. Um, so before we get into G- the genie plus kind of stuff, you briefly kind of brought up the, the food situation at magic kingdom. So we both for dinner had very different experiences. You guys, had this incredible reservation at Be Our Guest. How was that? That was amazing. 
I enjoyed it so much. Because <laughs> what was it? We were seated in the ballroom. So looking out into the eternal winter outside, we had Beast come by a few times to interact with the guests. Mm. And it's like, I didn't even need to eat, really. I just wanted to be there for the experience, for the ambiance, <laughs> to see, to walk through the castle. Yeah. Um, like, the food was really good. Um, but it's really like, you're paying for the experience. <laughs> and it's a great one. Definitely. It is the hot ticket in town when it comes to dining. It, w- was that the same thing for you, Henry? You were, uh, you, you the, it lived up to the hype? Uh, it was okay for me. Like, uh, I would compare it as, like, if you're looking at it um, from, like, the experience would be kind of like going to, like, Blue Bayou. Um, I, I want to say that it was, uh, it was really big. And, uh, like, but it's like, a, you know, a top tier, uh, restaurant as far as coming to like, uh, going to Disney, it's supposed to be one of their more, you know, better experiences. You're getting like some of their best food in the park and, uh, and you're going there definitely for the ambiance. The ambiance was really good, but like, if you compare it to say like a blue Bayou, which I'm definitely going to do because it was around that price range uh, and difficult to get that reservation. Uh, I think the food was actually better at Blue Bayou. And while the ambiance, you have that, that uh, you know, Beauty and the Beast ambiance, it was so big and there's so many people around you. Uh, it kind of takes it a little bit away from that experience. Whereas when you're at, in uh, Blue Bayou, you have the lights lowered. It's more of an intimate experience, and there's fewer people around mm. you, so it feels a little bit more like um, just more of an intimate feel to it, whereas with the Beauty and the Beast theme and so many people around you, it's still, it was a great experience. Don't get me wrong. It was, it was great, but like it, it was more expensive than Blue Bayou, but it was also like <laughs> it, it just felt like like going to maybe like Cheesecake Factory, but dressed up, and you had beasts come out because <laughs> it's just so big, man. Well, I mean, I really like Cheesecake Factory too, so <laughs> that's a good that's a good uh, qualifier. So, but I mean, it was like it was just so big. Like that was kind of the thing that kind of threw yep. me off was I wasn't expecting how big it was. So, like there was like at least three rooms you could be seated in. We were in the ballroom, and that mm. ballroom was huge. I mean, it was. I mean, it was Being a legit a ballroom. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, but it was really nice because, like, the, the window, you could see like snow falling and it had like a, a nice summer theme, uh, I mean, winter theme out there. And then when you're not eating, you can actually get up and go check out the other rooms and stuff. Uh, you know, just don't get in people's way, you know, try not to. But it was really nice that you could get up and go check out things. But it did feel it doesn't have that intimate feel that I really enjoy in the ambiance at Blue Bayou. It felt more like they're 
you're seated at a table and they need to get you in and get you out. And that's kind of, mm. kind of how that felt. But that being said, the food was, was excellent. Just not at the tier that I would say I would get at, uh, at Blue Bayou. Um, but again, it was, I didn't feel like I was getting robbed for how much it cost. Uh, it was definitely always, a, always a good feeling. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was expensive cause I think it was for each of us and it was, a uh, a three course, uh, meal you, and it was like 60 something each, yeah, something like that. So it was, I mean, not, not the cheapest option. No, not the cheapest and definitely not the most expensive, but you know, it was, it, it was a little more expensive than like Blue Bayou because Blue Bayou is, I think, around like, also you, you had to buy, get like, you know, it was like a three course meal and you basically just paid 60 something dollars for it. And then you could, right. yeah, prefix. Yeah. And you don't, they didn't have that last time we went to Blue Bayou. So you could go in there and maybe it only cost you like 20 bucks. Well, not really. Like $25, I think, is maybe the cheapest uh, menu item at uh, Blue Bayou. But, I mean, it could be considerably cheaper at, at Blue Bayou. But, um, but anyways... Uh, I did not feel robbed. The food was excellent because uh, we got the beef tenderloin and, uh, and it was really good. And then, of course, you got there, uh, you got a dessert and the gray stuff was part of that dessert. They gave you like a it was like a little plate of three different desserts. And uh, one of which was like a, was the gray stuff in an edible like white chocolate uh, cup. Shaped like chips. Yeah. And they actually, our waiter brought us extra gray stuff so we could just have gray stuff. So, uh, they know that's what you really came for. He saw who was coming. He was like, Henry Hall, here we go. Extra gray stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it worked out for us and whatnot. And, and it was nice because, you know, the service was great. Our, uh, our server was very attentive and I've always found that like, you know, when you go to some of these like places uh, in uh, Disney where you actually have a server, they're actually really good in being attentive to their, uh, the guests and whatnot. So same as at uh, Blue Bayou. So I can't say one was better than the other. So uh, it was, but yeah, I, I think for me, maybe it's just because of me liking the more intimate atmosphere of the Blue Bayou is probably why I like Blue Bayou better. Well, and the most important aspect that you didn't mention, the the missus had a great time. Yes. Which is really what it's all about. Just so be all important. Go. Keeping the wife happy. Which is really what <laughs> uh, what the trip uh, to Be Our Guest was all about. So. Yes. Um <laughs> <laughs> So while you guys were doing that, I was debating what exactly I do. Do I go to Disney Springs? Do I kind of just do a quick service thing? I ended up putting myself on the waiting list for 
Skipper Canteen in Adventureland. Um, someplace I've I've definitely wanted to check out. Obviously, big fan of the Jungle Cruise. So, uh, so a Jungle Cruise themed table service restaurant sounded like uh, it would be good times. And generally, it was. It definitely was. It was uh, the whole process. The whole waitlist process is super simple. You just kind of add yourself to the waitlist, and if there's a spot available, they'll tell you, "Yeah, your your name's on it." We'll text you when the table is ready. They give you an estimate. You get a text. Uh, you show up. Give them your name. Then they uh, they seat you. And very much like what you were talking about huge indoor space and it's in Adventureland, which is kind of like a weird sort of like a weird space within disney world i or in magic kingdom specifically i found um in that it just was like in this kind of entrance that was sort of unassuming and then you went in and it was this like massive kind of indoor space very well themed to everything jungle cruise to the point that all of the um, the waitresses, the waiters, the people doing your the reservations, the you know concierge, everyone was dropping Jungle Cruise puns left and right, like it was nonstop. Uh, and so I was, uh, you know, I, 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 generally I'm a fan of that kind of stuff, but it was definitely like you know, like I said, every interaction something was getting dropped. And, was it you know, pun- I guess punishing? <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah here we go here we go yeah i see what you did there uh i will give them credit i think the way that uh the way that you would judge a situation like that is how forced do the puns feel they did not feel particularly forced so uh so whether whether it be that that's just kind of how the interactions went that i i kind of slid right into their script or whether they were just that skilled, uh, I don't know, but it was, it was, it was all good times. And, uh, the selection of food generally was pretty good. It was definitely more on what I guess you would consider the adventurous side for, for Disney world, which is a pretty kind of pedestrian menu selection for the most part, especially magic kingdom. Um, I got some kind of like ginger noodle dish. It was good. It wasn't great. I didn't spend that much money. I definitely was was kind of working towards the less expensive side of things. I think I spent maybe like $30 total and uh, and was satisfied. I wasn't like blown away, um, but I was satisfied. I definitely felt like, yeah, I could have gotten a better meal had I made the trek all the way over to Disney Springs, but I did not want to make the trek over to Disney Springs. That, that, would, that would have been a little bit much, especially after such a long day. I think by that time, you know, we had uh, we had been at Disney World for a few days, so it was like, I'll save I'll save the energy for uh, for what's coming up in the next couple of days for us. So yeah, it was fine. Definitely was. You know, if you're looking for something a little bit different in terms of Disney World food, uh, yeah, I mean, I I totally recommend it. And you know, if you're a huge fan of Jungle Cruise, yeah, absolutely, you gotta you gotta check it out. So I don't regret it. Wasn't my favorite meal by a, by a long shot. Um, but yeah, it was, it was okay. I, I think I found that to be kind of the case with a lot of the food in Magic Kingdom was just seemed like it was kind of a little bit on the underwhelming side of things. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would, I would say that that was the case. Generally speaking, 
for, well, I guess not everywhere. We're obviously we're going to get to Epcot in a second. That's its own special thing. Animal Kingdom generally was pretty good. I felt pretty good about the food that we got in Animal Kingdom. Uh, but yeah, Hollywood Studios was the same way. So maybe those two parks, Magic Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, kind of eh. Yeah. Speaking of kind of eh, though, Genie Plus. So this service launched, we've talked about it before, paid fast pass, basically. Um, it launched right before we arrived. So we figured it was, it was a pretty good opportunity for us to give it a shot, see what it was about. Also, Disney World by far has the most amount of rides. Um, so we figured that maybe could help us maneuver through everything, not wait too long. So we, uh, yeah, we picked it up and uh, I, I thought it was okay. It, you know, the, the biggest kind of difference that I would say is that, uh, you know, first of all, you can only ride or use one of your lightning lane tickets per ride, which is very different than how Max Pass worked. It's kind of the closest thing that I, I, I think that I would say that Genie Plus is like. Um, Disneyland's old Max Pass system. That was like, hey, you can just, you know, if you have a if you have a Fast Pass slot open, you can use it on anything, even if you've ridden it before. So, uh, yeah. So that was that was kind of a bummer, especially when planning. I just found it kind of, I don't know. It was weird. It was like the slots weren't necessarily open as frequently as I remember Max Pass being. It just felt. Like it was, I don't know. I don't feel like we got the most out of it. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Uh, definitely. I I don't think it really in the long in the for our day it didn't feel as as beneficial, especially since like the rides you really need it for are the rides that you have to pay for the individual ride. So, yeah. I mean, it felt like it saved right. us a little bit of time on the rides we used it on, but for the most part, we didn't save much, much time. And if I remember correctly, too, the other kind of bummer about it was that once you had an active lightning lane booked, it wasn't like you had a timer that said, again, on the old MaxPass system, it would tell you, hey, the next fast pass that you can grab is at this time that's not there anymore it's basically you can't use another one or you can't grab another ticket or make another reservation until you used what you currently have right yeah and yeah and so what that what happened <laughs> i think for me i think this is this is where that this was the main sticking point i had with it was obviously the the more popular rides are going to have later times, right? Because they're going to be booked up fastest. So for a more popular ride, when you look at it, if it's like six hours in advance, which oftentimes it was, or like three hours or four hours, it, you hesitated booking it because it was like, well, wait a second. That means that for the next couple of hours, I can't make any reservations. Um, that felt like a major miss, a major problem. Honestly, because it is just basically if you don't get a lightning lane on one of the popular rides immediately, 
uh, you may as well just wait in the queue for that and say, forget about it. I'm not using lightning lane there, or you're just going to completely lose value. <laughs> you're not going to make very many bookings at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think I even heard that some people had found like a, a loophole where they could have two, uh, two lightning lane uh reservations at the same time but they fixed that loophole uh it required you to have like yeah it was it was really like a pain you know it wasn't like something like super like oh they're taking so much of advantage of us but it was like you know, you just had to get up like super early. You had to get that first one and then you had to book out. You would be able to like book yours because uh, like you had the. there was like some kind of two hour window, I think, at at one point you could have you could get one. But I think they closed that loophole and now you had to use that one. It's something that they they fixed, but yeah, now you can't have two right. at the same time. And that is problematic with something like that. And like you said, if you get one, get a time too far out, you're kind of stuck. Now you can't use what you paid for. So it, it limits the functionality of it or the viability of it even more so than it already is kind of limited. Yeah, I uh, I was definitely disappointed in it. I was hoping for more of a max pass experience and and those few little quirks, which uh, I mean, they're still listen. They it's still relatively early in the process. They can definitely make changes. I'm sure they will once they once they have enough data and enough complaints from people. Uh, but you know, initial experience was not particularly positive. I you know, as is, I probably would not make uh, make that kind of purchase make that kind of upgrade going forward. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. I think if anything, I would use the free, um, the genie with the tip board that just helps you kind of plan out your day. I think that would be more than enough functionality for me to be able to use it. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I honestly, I definitely input some stuff into genie and I just didn't really look at it. It was, Felt like a, a bit of a distraction. Yeah, from what I've I've seen, a couple of videos where somebody where they basically went, they put in all the information in, and they were following the tip board, and it seemed like it kind of worked and stuff, but it still seemed like it was it it had its own agenda, and it wasn't necessarily an agenda that you necessarily wanted. Like if you didn't want to have something to eat and you basically said, you know, I don't want something to eat, I guess there was no way to really say like, uh, I don't want food or something in that app, but it would try and steer you to food at a certain time regardless. And then it was right. it was kind of weird. It did seem like it would steer you in, in si certain situations, it would steer you to make purchases. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> when I see something like that, then I, I feel like mm, maybe it doesn't necessarily have my best interest in mind per se. And it's, you know, they might have some good information, but it, from what I've, from what people have been saying when they tried just going by the, the tips, 
it really didn't really help all that much. Uh, it might help people who were very much like so new to Disney that and just did not plan anything whatsoever and had no knowledge might be useful, might be useful. Um, but uh, yeah. I wouldn't. It seems like that's who it's geared towards. Maybe the Disney version with the photo pass part might be more something. I mean, maybe if you really like the taking pictures, that might be worth it to people. Yeah. Uh, it, well, and it's like photo pass used to be around that much anyway, right? $20, I think. So yeah, you can get a little extra something in it. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, well, we'll see. Hopefully they do make some changes based on all of that. But uh, but we shall see. Last up, though, at least for this episode, certainly not least, Epcot. And uh, th- there were kind of two major components of our visit to Epcot, right? There was the park itself and the food and wine festival. And I feel like probably, maybe not, maybe we do have more to say about the food and wine festival than the park itself, but we'll see. We, we, we'll get into that. But to set the stage, so this was technically the first park that you guys went to. I kind of started my day off, my, my park-going days at Hollywood Studios. You guys started at Epcot. So you had a little bit more, more Epcot time under your belts than I did. Henry had a special mission, which we'll get into, but uh, it involved cheese and a trail. Uh, which was good times. Um, Lori also was able to work her magic in the mornings, secure us virtual queue entry for Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, which of course made the day a little bit easier, not having to stress about any of that. Um, The other kind of major component that played a major factor in terms of our time was that there is major construction going on at Epcot right now. That That whole front area of the park with Spaceship Earth is like a maze. It's a rat trap of construction walls. And it made it so that anytime you had to go anywhere in that area, it was a, it was a bit of a headache, especially once that sun came up and it got really warm and you were having to do loop back after loop back after loop back. It was, it was not pleasant, at least for me, speaking for myself here. Anyway, Henry, what was your feeling about Epcot itself. We, we'll get into the food and we'll find festival next, but just specifically Epcot. What was your initial takeaway? Um, I really liked the, uh, the world showcase. I think they really did a good job of, of recreating like some of the more iconic looks of these different, uh, countries. Um, so that, it was really cool, uh, the f- but it was very very slim on rides. So like yeah, like if you were going there for rides, you were at the probably the wrong park for rides. Um, but if you wanted to like kind of get a a glimpse at what the these countries look like around the world, you could get a good glimpse. Um, I did feel a little bit weird when, uh, going into say China, 
I was expecting to learn about China, where in in fact I learned about Disney in China. Uh, <laughs> 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 felt yeah. a little self serving, but uh, you know, but I mean, like I said, like when I was going through like places I'd been before, like the UK area and uh you know the france area and some of these other areas like it really felt like especially in uk that felt like i was in uk back in the uk again except for it wasn't like really cold but um uh <laughs> it was they did a really good job of like mirroring these these countries or giving you kind of a taste of those countries so that was really nice uh and it is kind of a a, a pretty park uh it is kind of a again a, a weird layout because it's kind of it felt to me to be kind of shaped like a lollipop in that like because <laughs> yeah. you have like the world showcase which is kind of around and that would be kind of the head of the the lollipop of the lollipop where but then like spaceship earth would be at the end of the stick so say if you were at uh america in the world showcase area and wanted to go to Spaceship Earth, that is going to be a long walk <laughs> for you. Uh, and it was, you know, definitely a lot, you know, uh, still a kind of a good walk around that park. Um, so it's still not the best layout, a little bit more. Uh, but that being said, it, you know, kind of made sense, that layout. Uh, it's a long walk, though, still. <laughs> Try to get around. It's a lot of walking, yeah. yeah. So. It would, didn't help the layout, too, was especially for us, Skylander drops you off in the World Showcase, not at the entrance to the park. Yes. So, which is strange. Strange. Yeah. It, and anyway. it seems like, you know, the rides were so, like, you know, a lot of those rides were felt fairly dated and whatnot and so it's it you could probably knock out most of those rides in a good 30 minutes because they're just not very popular um of course the the two big ticket rides that were super popular was remy's ratatouille uh adventure and then you had the uh the uh uh, uh frozen ride uh, so, and Frozen definitely wasn't all that great of a ride, but. Breathe <laughs> <laughs> <Reef> even Maelstrom. <laughs> uh, but, you know. What'd you think of Remy? Remy was fun. I thought it was fun. I thought it was neat that it, you had like parts in French and parts in English. And, uh, I thought it was fun. It didn't blow me away, but it was fun. I liked it. I did like that, like, it, since it is supposed to be in France, set in French, that most of the dialogue was in French. Like, you can obviously understand everything that was going on. And a lot of times, Remy would speak, you know, in English, so you could follow it. And I think, was that one of the first rides I've been on that really utilized the, like, trackless um, type of ride? Um, 
So I enjoyed it. Like the, what is it considered? Like the 4D effects that I was not prepared for. I did not expect to get wet on the, <laughs> the Remy's ride. Um, so that was a bit of a shock. Yeah. But yeah, I thought well. it was really fun. Well, to be fair, it was, it's trackless like Rise of the Resistance. And then you go from Rise of the Resistance to Remy's. It feels a bit, you know, like a watered down version of what you experience with. It's yeah, pretty jarring. Yeah. In Rise of the Resistance, which is definitely a much better experience. But uh, mm. I think it's still fun. It was, it was, it was fun. How about the rest of the park, Lori? Was that, uh, did that live up to your expectations? It's, I think I went up into that with probably that the land, um, what park that I probably had the least knowledge going into it. So I really didn't know what to expect besides, you know, seeing the world showcase and spaceship earth. And it's like, it did seem like out of the whole park, like that's kind of it. Like, like once you do the showcase and spaceship, they go and see Spaceship Earth. It's like there's not much to keep you around for the rest of the day. Yeah, so I think it was definitely for me. Like, if it wasn't for the like for the food festival, it's like yeah, that would have been like a half park, a half day kind of park. Mm. Yeah, it, it definitely major focus of that park is the World Showcase uh, for sure. And I agree with you guys. Like, it was, it was, it was definitely. It was it was it was really awesome. It was very unique, not something that uh, certainly at any of the other Disney parks that they do, let alone you know a lot of the other even higher end uh, theme parks around. And uh, the fact that they just yeah go into so much detail, especially around the food. I mean the the one regret that I had about the food and wine festival was that it made it so that we really didn't explore around some of these world showcase areas and, uh, and try some of the kind of normal dining options that they had available. Some of which are supposed to be very good. Um, definitely would on a, on a, you know, on a return trip would, uh, would like to spend more time exploring and, and really that kind of uniqueness and different feeling I, I, kind of carried through for me throughout most of the park not necessarily always for a good thing. Cause I agree. Like it felt very light on rides. What I found really interesting though, and I, I kind of liked it though. I could see how it might be, <laughs> might, it might get overshadowed very easily. I liked how oftentimes rides would end and then you would enter an experience that was kind of attached to, the ride experience that you just had. So like you would be on that finding Nemo ride and all of a sudden you would enter that sea base, right? Where it's like that huge aquarium that they had with the various different tanks and the various different levels. Um, I thought that was, that was really awesome. Or, you know, you'd be on spaceship earth and you would come down and I mean, they're a little out of date now, but it was like futuristic kind of video games that you could play and, and learn about. Um, I, I thought that was really, really unique. And again, like, man, if I, if I'm a kid, um, some of that might be awesome, but it would be really hard for me to be sitting around watching fish in an aquarium <laughs> at this major theme park. Like you're right. That is not going to take priority over 
a lot of other things that are going yeah, on. Yeah, I think. Um, but like I said, I I liked all of well, that. Well, I think Epcot is one of those like learning theme parks where there's actually a, an attempt to like you know uh, educate people on certain things and and give you these yeah. opportunities to learn about these things but like you pointed out as a kid that's not something you're looking for. <laughs> you want you know yeah. you you want rides and thrill ride you want thrill rides and stuff so um but i think they did a good job at making some of that stuff at least fun you know like the uh the the little fun games that you go through with the with the um uh at the end of you know spaceship earth and whatnot but then also you had the uh test track you had that uh you could design your car which is kind of an experience that you might have yeah. to you know giving you a a, a sure. little experience of what they go through and then you could drive your own car at the end in the in the little video game area but then at the same time they can try and sell you a car you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah come and check out the new chevys sponsored by chevrolet yeah, yeah totally and you guys saw harmonious right yes. yes how was that that was cool it's like um because i know even going to like dca reminds me a lot of like the world of color um but to the extreme yeah. it's like i know for me like i don't care as much for the world of color because it's just okay it's the projections on the water but it's one like okay once i've seen it once i you know that's okay i don't have to see it again um, but just like the scale of, <laughs> of harmonious and using what, like the lighting around, they had the cannons in each of the lands going off the, like, what do they call them? The taco barges, <laughs> um, <laughs> showing yeah. the, you know, just adding to it. That was really neat. I really wish that we would bring something like that down to the DCA park. It was and there were like there was fireworks yeah. and everything like yeah. that. So yeah, definitely you're right. It was, a, it was a spectacle for sure. Plus, they had a lot of they had a lot of places you could see it too because the taco barges were kind of like each one was kind of the, showing the same thing. So you could there's a lot more areas you could stand and actually see everything. Yeah, like as long as you could see the, I think there was only like two different. Um, screens i guess between all the taco barges as long as you could see two that were showing different things like that's all there was so you didn't have to make sure you could see the entire lagoon as long as you could make out at least two of the barges that were showing different then you can get the whole the whole story and everything the mm. whole show so the other standout aspect that really we were looking forward to at Epcot. obviously we've been talking a little bit about it so far but that food and wine festival, I know, I know this was something, Henry, you were dreaming about. This was really what it was all about for Henry Hall. Well, I, and you came in with a plan. Yeah, I, go ahead. I wasn't okay. dreaming about it, it, but it was, it was high on my, my to-do list. <laughs> okay. Thank you for good correction. Uh, it was high on your to-do list. You, you came in with a plan. 
And you executed on that plan, man. Like I was, I was amazed watching Henry Hall at this food and wine festival, but I am, give me your rundown, Henry. Like, did this live up to everything you were expecting? The, the high expectations you had going in, was this everything you dreamed of? Yeah, I think they actually, like, I think everything I had except for like one thing was, was great. Like the only thing I had that I I wasn't really big. I only had one thing that I wasn't super like super enjoyed. It was like the baked cheese with the uh, pistachios on it, and that was because sometimes like the nuts aren't necessarily great. Like uh, the nut, like mm. one of the nuts on my baked cheese was was not great, and it kind of threw off the flavor. Um, and it was just baked cheese. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, it was very simple of a dish and it was the start, but everything else I had was, was really good. And definitely sometimes I was shocked that it wasn't more expensive. Uh, like they were all like, re- all the food items were reasonably priced there. I think it was actually cheaper than our food and wine festival at DCA. So I was, I, I was pleasantly surprised by that. Well, and in all fairness to the baked cheese, you were not ordering the baked cheese because you were interested in it. It was because you had other motivations. Yes. yes. Is that right? That was the first dish I had on Emile's uh, <laughs> uh, fromage montage. And you definitely, I mean, you went after that. You did a great job on that. Uh, on that. And basically the concept was there were certain cheese dishes spread throughout the various different booths at the food and wine festival that you could order. They'd give you a stamp. And when you collected all, all of your stamps, they had a special treat for you. Is that right? Correct. How was the, how was the treat at the end of the, the montage? Was it, was it worth it? Oh Yeah. It was really, it was actually really good. It was uh, a strawberry cheesecake ice cream. And you got it in a special little mm. plastic container for the, uh, that festival theme for that, for the festival. So. And was it on the menu otherwise, or was it only something you could get if you finished the, all it was of the only items? something you could get if you got, if you completed the Emile's mm. fromage montage. Mm. And unlike nice. DCA's in, in DCA food and wine festival, you can get stamps and you get a certain number of stamps. You can go and they'll give you like, if you get like a certain number of stamps, you can go and turn in your book and they'll, give you another stamp but that's it they just give you a stamp say good job you're a fatty but um (laughs) uh, but they don't give you anything for doing it whereas they actually gave me a treat for for completing the meals fromage montage as i i think as you would put it that was a it's a very classy move on their part yes uh it was really classy and 
actually the things that I ate other than that baked cheese were actually re- all real good. So it, it was something that anything stand out for you right now? Uh, the Schinken noodling at, at, uh, Germany was at the German booth was mm-hmm. really good. So good. In fact, uh, for our little, uh, Thanksgiving, I actually tried to recreate that dish. Uh, and it actually came out pretty good. Ooh, nice. Uh, nice. It wasn't as thick as the piece that they, you know, sold me for $5. Oh, man, that thing was was dense. Uh, but but it, <laughs> it tasted like that. So it, it was a plus in my book. And then, of nice. course... Uh, at in uh, the Hawaiian booth, they had a mango cheesecake. I'm all about mango and all about cheesecake, so that was amazing thing too. So those two were my two of my favorites. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I think I went in unsure if I was really gonna go all out and buy into the food and wine festival and in retrospect it's a little silly that that was kind of the approach that i was uh i was going in with just because it's there you may as well take advantage of it you had a lot of options there were a lot of good options it 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 did feel a little overwhelming at first and i think it doubly felt overwhelming because you know i just had no experience with epcot before that so it was very hard for me to like wrap my mind around kind of like a really good strategy. So, uh, so for the most part, I kind of, I I pretty much tagged along with you and sort of, and sort of, you know, if there was interesting stuff that, uh, that you were getting that looked really good, then I would, I would get in on that. And if there wasn't, you know, if it was something that you were into that I wasn't, maybe I'd go somewhere else. Um, and like I said, at, at the end, I was I was super happy with it. I think, you know, um, you kind of think of, of a lot of little plates and it's kind of like, am I really going to get full? Is it going to be enough to eat? I'm going to be walking around all this time. Am I, where am I going to sit? There's no kind of, you know, there were designated spaces, but sometimes it was a little, was a little, uh, it was a little tough to find a really good spot, which very helpful to have uh, a third person <laughs> like Lori or, or, one of us, somebody else that that maybe wasn't getting food that can be a runner and, and get a spot. So that was definitely helpful. Um, but I, I think the standout for me, well, I had two standouts for different reasons. The one uh, that I thought was my favorite was they had, um, I want to say it was like the Kenya booth, had like a coffee rubbed like beef tenderloin with um, with some kind of, it's almost like a grits, but it was like a cornmeal. There was some kind of sauce and some kind of veggies. I thought that was fantastic. A lot of really good flavors, a little bit of curry flavor going on in there. Just uh, just really all around fantastic. Could have gone either way. <laughs> that was the hard part sometimes. Something might look good. It was like, man, this could be good or it could just be okay. I was very, very happy with that. The other thing that really stood out for me was that crispy piggier mm-hmm. salad. Yeah. Which again, could have gone either way. It was it was a very strange kind of a thing. It was with like corn, and cilantro, and some citrus in there, and some crema. 
and it was really good. It was like texturally, it was very good. I think it, it, kind of by the end of it, by the time I was done with it, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm over this. The kind of flavors were just all really, really intense. But, uh, but yeah, it was, that was really, really good. It was more of like a textural thing than anything else. Those crispy pig ears. Um, I, I was also, even though I didn't, I didn't take advantage of it as much as I guess I could have. I was really impressed and happy with the drink selection. Like it was also equally overwhelming. Like you could have easily just done food and wine and only done drinks. That would have been easy. I mean, I know that obviously drinking around the world is, is a thing to the point of, uh, <laughs> of being overplayed at this point. But, uh, but like the, the stuff that was available, the food and wine festival was all really interesting, really unique not stuff that you're normally going to see uh, a lot of different kind of beers, just a, overall a really good selection. So I was really, I was really happy with, uh, with all of that. And uh, it's going to be really hard to go back to any other kind of food festival at Disneyland or at uh, DCA, really at DCA after this, it's going to be, it's going to feel a little bit underwhelming that I guess is maybe the, the biggest downside of all. Well, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that DCA doesn't have, uh, good drinks during their food and wine festival. It's just not to the extent, just because, of course, they have, like, I think they had at least almost three times the booths that DCA has at their food and wine festival. Um, but, yes, their their drink game was on point at Epcot. Uh, Lori could probably speak to it better than anyone of us. Uh <laughs> <laughs> See, I only had a couple drinks, <laughs> but it's definitely that. Where was it? That apple blossom sky down at the orchard. That one I could have had. You know, one of those for every meal. That thing was delicious. <laughs> that that was really good. It was really surprising because it was one of those drinks that like. You, you hear everything that's in it because it included like uh, apple whiskey and whatnot. You think that it's going to be, but it was in a slush. It came out like a slush, slushy. And you go like, no way is this going to be all that good. And it had like marshmallows on it. Min, little mini marshmallows. But it was weird. The It was weird, weird, but then they actually worked really well with it. It was a really good drink, and it really got me buzzed. <laughs> <laughs> the most important uh, part. I, I mean, I wasn't looking to get buzzed, but it was strong. It was potent. Uh, but it was really, really, really good. I mean, that's, you know, I got it, so <laughs> it must have been pretty good. <laughs> Uh, I, there you go. I Can't wanted complain. to get another one, but we wind up missing it our second time there. But we got it that first day, and Lori really liked it. It was one that I actually went to, uh, was looking for because for some reason I find that uh, I really like the flavor, uh, flavor, uh, apple flavored things. So, like, apple flavored soda uh, drinks and stuff are usually something that. I really appreciate. So uh, I think I had two different ones while we were there. The first one again was like a slush and that was in, uh, I got that in the uh, America. 
area, they didn't really have, it wasn't at a America booth. Uh, it was at one of their normal booths, but they were selling it. Uh, but it was basically like just a apple, alcoholic apple slush. And it was still pretty good. But that was the first drink. And then then that, uh, the Apple Blossom Sky at the uh, orchard area was, but that was, that one was on point. And that was one of those areas where it was just really like, you just got drinks from there. So they had uh, other alcoholic beverages. I think they had uh, some uh, ciders and uh, some beers there and whatnot. But yeah, they definitely had more, uh, drinks there. It, it's just because, again, they have they had a lot more. It's to choose from uh, compared to like DCA, which is a much smaller park and doesn't have already a lot of the established drinking areas as as much as Epcot did. Um. So that being said, yes, all the foods were. Really good and uh, on point. Uh, we did have some of the regular food there as well. I had uh, fish and chips in the UK area because for some reason I'd been really wanting fish and chips. It was a little bit underwhelming. And uh, we had lunch in Japan. Uh, we had some regular, uh, I had some um, some ramen there, what I have the, so. the curry katsu. Yes. And those felt very, uh, you know, adequate. They didn't stand out. I mean, they <laughs> they weren't like, they were good, but they weren't like nothing amazing about them or anything like that. They were kind of standard, you know. Um, one thing I did like about the Food and Wine Festival there is that they had a lot of dishes that were not like usually at at uh, Disney parks a lot of the food is very kind of safe you know it's it's not like really going out on the edge or anything but like talking about like the pig's ear salad and they had escargot you know they had they had foods that you know pushed the boundaries and allowed people to like really explore uh, other cultures, foods and stuff and whatnot. And that I really liked about it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. I would say the biggest highlight of that was, you know, you're going to eat stuff that you would never, ever imagine eating at a Disney park. That covers everything of the Disney portion of our trip. Uh, anything else you guys can think of that, uh, is worth mentioning or stuck out to you about anything that happened uh, while we were at Disney World? Uh well, we uh did get to experience Disney Springs. And uh Disney yes. Springs would be like Disneyland's downtown Disney, but uh but way better. <laughs> it's so much better. Uh yeah. much better shopping and definitely much better on the food and they are you know, the food was fantastic there. I think I had a, yep. a taco cone there, um, which was like huge. It was a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be, but super tasty. And, uh, 
and then also got a really good donut. And then we went to the place that uh, you got us a reservation at, if you want to talk. Art Smith's homecoming. Yeah, we were able to get uh, a reservation in for there, which was good times. A lot of moonshine was consumed. Not by me, though. <laughs> <laughs> Henry stuck to the fried okra. I had a little bit of Lori's, but that was that was it. A taste. <laughs> good time. So uh, the only real last piece of our trip to cover is our time at universal Orlando, which we'll, we'll touch on, uh, touch on next time, man, but coming close to the end of, uh, of our trip recap. It's like I said, it's, it, uh, it feels like forever ago, but, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago, man, man. We'll have to start planning it. Uh, we'll have to start planning for next year, Henry. <laughs> already starting to plan my well i've already in talks with Lori on on what i would like to do next oh let's talk about that next time too that sounds good i'm excited i want to hear that just about does it for today though remember you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, you made it this far. You're hopefully enjoying the podcast. So don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and hit that like button. This has been episode 63 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you in two weeks. Until then, stay healthy, everybody. Henry, Lori, Happy holidays. Merry Christmas right around the corner. We'll talk Merry soon. Happy holidays. Happy holidays and happy new year. Henry, I'm, I want an invite. Whatever you're doing, don't forget my invite. <laughs>